Welcome to Craft Advice, a podcast to help investors tackle the more complex area of their personal and business finances. Join Jack and Sean as we discuss everything from investing to retirement and everything in between. Yeah, it definitely looks like inflation is going to be here a little bit longer. Um, well, and welcome back, everybody, to Craft welcome Advice back. with Jack and Sean. I've been saying for a long time, people keep, I keep talking to clients and they're like, yeah, inflation looks like it's coming down. I'm like, no, they're still raising rates. Just they're raising them a little less than they did the time before. It doesn't mean they're stopping. They're still raising rates, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. The pace at which prices are rising is slow. (laughs) It's very true. That's it. The pace, it's the pace at which prices are rising. And the only thing is the pace at which they're rising is slow. Prices are still rising. And uh, Prices are still that's going the there. thing that set the, market, uh, set the market on fire today. What are you drinking? Let's go ahead and get into this. All right. Yeah, yeah. I've got a little, uh, little, uh, little double IPA, a little wicked weed, freaky, freak of nature here. It's pretty solid. You know, when I, when I went to Asheville and I first had wicked weed, I was like, oh, God, this stuff's awesome. And then yeah. I saw it at a raise game, and I'm like, they sold out. They did. It was it was it was a cool brewery back in the day, but they've definitely uh, it's, it's pretty commercial now. But it's still good. Pretty pretty solid IPA, solid beer. Yeah, I'm doing the old free dive from Coppertail, nice IPA. So Ooh, there you Sean. go. Like um, today, everyone, we're going to get into a couple different topics. We're going to talk about interest rates and inflation. So we'll, uh, I think I'm going to start there. We want to talk about Nvidia that had some interesting earnings. Um, we'll talk a little bit about. Blinking on the third topic, Sean. But anyways, what we're going to do is uh, <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about interest rates, where they are, how that's impacted some of the other areas of the market. Right? We're not trying to give specific investment advice, but it's always good to point out opportunistic areas. Um, and we'll get into some of those areas for some portions of your portfolio uh, later in that episode. Well, let's start with short-term rates. And this is just a good thing for anyone with cash. If you, have a, if you have a money market and you're sitting at like Wells Fargo or Chase or Bank of America, you ha- there's no rational reason you should be keeping money sitting in a bank account like that. Most banks, I saw a client the other day that had a bunch of money in Morgan Stanley and the interest rate's still 0.01%. I'm like, what is happening? For, for those asleep at the wheel, a one-year treasury rate right now is over 5%. You can get some CDs that are close to that but there are a lot of institutions that have money markets now that are yielding 4%. The interesting thing, if you fast forward and look at like a 30-year treasury, 30-year treasuries are like 3.8. So we've been talking about yield curve inversion since, what, 2011? I was going to say a long time, long time. It's been a long time, and now we're seeing it, and it is really happening. The ones, the one and two years are well over 4. The 5 and 10 are kind of sitting at 4. And then the 20 and 30 are way kind of mid threes. But if anyone is curious of is inflation forecasted, they always say the bond market's the smart money. The bond market is forecasting that longer term returns are in the mid threes. Short term is kind of this five range. And I think that ties in with inflation. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's that that short term expectation of higher prices. And that's exactly what the bond market's saying. But in the interim, it would be wise, and this is kind of what we were alluding to for that one topic, is just to kind of money markets, CDs, treasuries, 
Um, I mean, even if you were comfortable going a little bit further out, you know, in terms of the risk um, scale, you can look at some single A's and double A's that are still in the investment grade bucket. Um, and they're in the seven, eight percent range. I mean, so, you I'm, know, I'm looking at I some... like this thread. I want to stick mm -hmm. on this. So mm -hmm. back, I had a stint in the fixed income realm, trading bonds for clients. That was fun. But mm -hmm. if we went back in the day, people would be looking at, you know, as you're buying bonds and companies, if you buy a CD, it's insured. If you buy a U.S. Treasury, it's considered riskless. Then you start to get into like agency bonds. So it's backed by the government. Then you get high quality bonds, something like Apple, Berkshire Hathaway. But you can keep working your way down the list where eventually you're borrowing money from someone like Coinbase. And if people are looking at the stock market now and thinking like, oh man, some of these stocks are starting to fall. I mean, the bond market has some wild returns if companies don't go broke. I mean, there's a lot of companies that are you know, one year yield on a bond, especially if we went back to COVID, all the airlines were yielding like 20% on a one year bond because they were like, they might never come back. Yeah, yep. <laughs> They might all be out of exi existence. So it's, yeah. it's interesting. The bond market prices in the risk of this company pretty well. They're looking for solvency risk, which the stock market does not do at all. Stock market's just an expectation of forward growth. Bond market's more, are they gonna be around to pay this bill? So yep. I think it's interesting though, for those looking for risk, a lot of times the bond market is an interesting place to play. You just need to be mindful of what you're buying, how long you're buying it, what's your time frame, how much risk can you handle? But yield is abundant in this market. Yeah. So that's it, right? I mean, I mean, when people think about, oh, these are not investment grade bonds or these are not treasuries or these are not CDs. I mean, the reality is, is if you go out a little bit on the yield curve with some of that stuff, you're really not taking out that much more risk. Your default risk goes up very, very marginally. Uh, and the, the yield that you can you can grab at um, seems to be pretty uh, pretty compelling at the moment. I mean, I'm looking at five-year triple Bs at almost, you know, at eight. Uh, I mean, even if you did single A's, you're looking at seven and a quarter. I mean, the single A default rate is like, you know, again, nothing. So the reality is, is if you can go into that particular space, buy enough to get a good diversified position, um, I mean, you'll be, you'll, you'll be very happy. But again, yeah. it's, this, is, this is a bucket of your money that generally speaking, you want some stability, you want some certainty, you want some you know, kind of confidence, peace of mind. This isn't necessarily for the big growth bucket, but again, 7% is a very nice number to, to grab a hold of and lock in for a five-year period. You know, you're also not going to impress anyone if you, you know, <laughs> go to the you're bar. Not YOLO, you're not YOLO. Yeah, you're some, some girls. <laughs> oh, you use Robinhood? Oh, no, I trade individual fixed income. Yeah. I got those triple B rated debentures. Yeah. <laughs> Yielding 12.5%. Anyways. Not, not happening. All right. So inflation, Sean. You think it's not going anywhere? It's hanging around? Yeah. I mean, it definitely looks that way, right? We had reports come out this morning uh, that basically alluded to uh, we're, we're, we outpaced what the expectations were uh, with this most recent reading. And this is the reading that, um, you know, the, the, this is the reading. These are the readings that continue to make the case that we're not going to be following the path of least resistance, unfortunately. Right. I mean, we had hotter than expected Q4 numbers. We had hotter than expected January numbers, and it just continues to build on itself that inflation is likely to be here a little bit longer. Uh, than we anticipated, and maybe this next quarter point hike um, 
you know, we could see a surprise 50 basis point hike and the market's really starting to price that in. Uh, I mean, you even had Jamie Dimon come out this morning and it was either last night or early this morning coming out saying that um, he believes the Fed may have lost a little bit of control when it comes to inflation. Well, he flip-flopped on this thing multiple times. He started saying, oh, it's going to be soft landing. Then he said, you know, we got to like batten up the hashes. We got to start <laughs> getting prepared for the recession. And then he kind of said, eh, soft landing. So I don't yeah. know where to, where to trust him. But again, I think everyone, the consensus in the market has shifted so many times. Everybody was hard landing, inflation's gonna go through the roof here. We're back to the 1970s. Then it flipped completely opposite way off to the races, the market ripped. I mean, just look from January to today, it's just gone straight up. I mean, we had some volatility in the last maybe two weeks as people are starting to realize, well, maybe that's not true. Yep, now yep. The consensus is going back the other direction of hard landing. We're gonna hit the ground. So I think Jamie Dimon's kind of following that to some extent, but I don't think anyone really knows. Jerome Powell's got the uh, market by the cojones. Yeah, I mean, it, it almost feels like it's a different environment than the Fed's really ever been able to deal with uh, because it's such a globally connected market now, right? Yep. Whereas before, and, and just more historically speaking, Inflation is the assumption that the uh, level of goods doesn't change much, right? It's more the, the, the level of dollars in circulation, right? So that's what's driving, right? The demand is relatively the same. Supply of goods is relatively the same, but there's an overabundance of cash chasing too few goods, right? And that drives inflation. But, you know, and that's the, the, the kind of the standard explanation of it. But I think what we're seeing is a little bit of the other side of that um, driven by the supply of goods, right? Because of the logistics issues, because of the, uh, you know, the interconnectedness of the um, the supply chain, right? Some of the chips coming from overseas, the body, the bodies being put together in Mexico, and the final product being assembled in, you know, whatever California or Texas, and then finally put on the showroom floor. And because it has such a so many points of failure, um, there have been points of failure, and those are also driving prices. It's not just the extra money, and that's. The thing that I don't think they really have any control over. Yeah, right? they can control the money supply here domestically, but I don't know if they really have the ability to impact or drive that uh, outside of some type of policy initiative or you know something along those lines. Uh, but I, it's just going to be a it's, that's going to be a, a stickier thing that will take time to uh, resolve itself. I believe. Yeah, agreed. Let's talk Nvidia. I love Nvidia. The $10,000 chip, the AI chip. Is that really how much it costs? Mm-hmm. They are selling those bad boys for 10 k a pop. Woo! This stock has been literally just licking its chops with investor enthusiasm. Because literally the stock... If, if, <laughs> I if, love if, the video. I think video is great. Well, if you just go from like the beginning of like the crypto mania, kind of 2018, mm -hmm. through mm -hmm. the end of 21... NVIDIA basically outpaced or stayed, you know, it was cruising along with the crypto market. And then all of yep. a sudden that market kind of imploded. The demand for their GPUs tanked. Yep. But interestingly enough, you know, they had some earnings. The earnings weren't great. There was a lot of, I guess, negative financial commentary that's going in on revenue growth, earnings growth, cash flow, things like that. Yep. But they pounded that table on the AI drum. I think Chad GPT's got the market all excited. And I'm wondering if, is AI the new crypto? 
because yeah, Microsoft it announced seems it. That way. it well, I mean, Microsoft said everything about AI, and then boom, you see the market take off, and then Google or the, you see the stock take off. Google goes through and tries to announce they have a competitor. The stock runs before the demo, and then they demo their product and, and then it tanks. <laughs> tanks. That was great. And then you got Nvidia that you got the whole market, or at least the tech market, rolling over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just in the past couple of weeks, I mean, this thing has been just ripping. So yeah, I don't know what to expect out of this. I don't know if it's, I mean, it's up 40% in the last three months. Yeah, they're great. I love it. I mean, it definitely seems like um, when it's all said and done, I mean, NVIDIA leads leads the market in AI chips. It seems like they're leading the market in, um, you know, GPUs focused that, that are strategically used in the crypto space. I mean, it seems like they are the market leader in almost every one of the emerging, you know, the, obviously the gaming chips, right? The, the high resolution, you know, high speed gaming chips. Um, it just seems like they're leading the way in every one of the emerging fast growth categories that are out there right now. Um, self-driving. But, yeah, self-driving. I mean, you name this it. Is, this is from the Wall Street Journal. So according to UBS, they estimate Chad GPT, the tool for Microsoft, requires about 10,000 of NVIDIA's graphics card processors in order to operate. Say that one so, more time. One more time for the audience. You to say that one more time? Should yeah. In Spanish? No. In Spanish. Um, so according to UBS, a chat GPT tool that Microsoft just acquired, mm-hmm. acquired the majority of it, requires around 10,000 of NVIDIA's graphics processing chips to actually work. So you said they're 10,000 a pop. 10K a pop. 10,000, that's 100 million in revenue right there. Bam. Now yeah, that's a good, you got wow. every other search engine that needs to do the same thing. I don't see, you know, there's not a lot of other providers that have the same <clears> level <throat> of, of uh, chip quality. AMD is one of the bigger ones up there, but yep. NVIDIA is kind of like the gold standard plus the automotive industry. So yeah, they have the tailwind for the market, but it's just funny that the financials are not showing that really, you know, all that demand is there. Yet they start announcing AI and the stock price takes off because AI is the new hot button. You say AI and you go up. We should change the podcast to craft, craft AI, hot advice, advice dot AI or something like that. And just see how many views we get. The, uh, the, uh, it, it just, it, it feels like the last, and I don't know, maybe it's always been like this, but it definitely feels like the last six or so years have been very thematic in terms of like these big, these big charges in the market. Um, you know, like remember when like all the pot stocks came out, like weed was super heavy and they just ran like crazy way ahead of any kind of that, like realized profits, revenues, growth, anything that was tangible, right? They just took off. A lot of biotech did the same thing, right? The biotech just tore, just tore. And then a bunch of those right applications fizzled and companies went out of business or just didn't execute like they thought they were crypto, same thing. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just, it's pretty entertaining how uh, you watch these and they will, there, there's usually obviously, you know, a few left standing, like AI is happening, it's happening right now. Uh, I mean, I think that's going to have some spillover effects in other companies like uh, Palantir we've talked about before. Uh, Palantir is a good one. It's an AI focused uh, defense contractor, right? And then you've got, uh, I mean, even, even uh, what, what was the uh, CI? Or C3, I'm sorry, C3 AI. C3 AI. Yeah, yeah. The one pure play. That's what I'm saying. I mean, like, there's 
those stocks are also, they, I mean, they, they have to be getting the, uh, I mean, like AI is up 101% year to date. I mean, it's also down. <laughs> I, 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 we're not taking a turn to negative town here. <laughs> well, the one year is actually positive. You can't there say you that go. for a lot. So the trend is now your friend, as they like to say. It's definitely, I mean, it's definitely getting a lot of that, that, uh, that good publicity. But those, I mean, do you, there's you know a lot of, the, uh, there's a lot of very interesting names in the AI space though. Do you know what the two year return for three, eight? Let's not talk about that, Jack. <laughs> Negative 75%. <laughs> that hundred percent return still. still we're going to go back. We're going to go back to the max and the max is negative uh, 81. Well, realistically, I, I look at. 2021 and it was really 2021 because 2020 was Correct. okay but 2021 was the dot-com bubble for this generation i mean sure. the amount of stuff that went through the roof and this is this is a perfect example of when the market does stuff like that i mean some people have made an obscene amount of wealth and hopefully they got out of it you know we've seen investors that had some phenomenal returns didn't really exit when they could have but What's interesting is that same thing happened in 2000. It's just a different phase, you know, different market, different, I guess, structure to the stocks and the companies and the businesses that were imploding, as well as exploding. I mean, you see something like Tesla that we were saying, and almost every analyst on Wall Street was saying, this company is going to go out of business, but the stock price yeah. kept going up, which was allowing them to keep issuing more shares, which they kept using to finance the business. Yep. which eventually pulled it off. And now financially, the company looks pretty strong. I mean, that's some pressure. But you're right. There is definitely that, there's that, um, you know, it's almost that escape velocity, right? These these companies, and that's why um, interest rates going up really hit the tech space so heavy because they need that inexpensive debt financing to really scale to be able to execute a lot of their, you know, a lot of the, um, the business plans, right? If they don't have the numbers, they don't have the scale, then it doesn't all, you know, it usually doesn't work. Well, that's what you have to do. I mean, you have to keep, there was a reason Coinbase at one point was able to borrow money at like 6%. And I'm sure if I pull up Coinbase bonds now, they're probably close to 18 to 20% after this whole FTX debacle. But yeah, that's, that's the entire thing is the market with 0% interest. You could basically go borrow money and just throw shit at the wall. And hopefully your business model got some revenue and started to catch on. If it didn't, you know, 0%. So it wasn't like you had much interest to, to deal with. You had enough capital where you had a pretty good runway. You fast forward now, companies are more mindful of where they're deploying cash. You know, you even had a lot of the Silicon Valley companies were spending, you know, pension endowment money yep. on some of these figment of their imagination technology ideas. And the... Thinking for investors, you can't look at this, you, know, you can't look at something like C3 AI and be like, oh, 2021 and 2022 is an illustration of how this company is going to do. A lot of the software companies don't even know how to use it yet. Same thing with ChatGPT. It's like, what the hell does it do? You don't know. Yeah, you can pre-fill me an email template so I don't have to write an email. But it's not built in yet where we know how it works. I Correct. Think the good example of this is, I mean, Facebook stock, which is now called Meta, absolutely imploded on its IPO and it's gotten killed recently, but it's still a much larger company than it was. Yeah. And the whole reason that company sold off was nobody knew what you would do with Facebook and Instagram on mobile. And now it seems like laughable. Like how the hell did we not see everyone would do everything from their iPhone? Yep. 
you know, had you bought when they were dealing with a lot of the stress, you know, the returns came afterwards. It's not a, it's not a recommendation for anything with C3AI, but I think any of these, these companies, that's kind of how you have to evaluate them. I mean, you got to figure out Facebook was down from its IPO. It got down as low as 53%. And then fast forward a couple of years later and it was up 850 and the life of the investments up 350%. So yeah, if you bought the dip, that's even better. You know, you would have been almost four or 500% return on investment over just a couple of years. That's why, I mean, the, it, individual stock trading is extremely difficult because you have to really, there's a lot of faith involved in it. And you have to have a good understanding of the product or service, right? The management team, the execution of said management team, um, right? What their, what their forward plans are, how are they, how are they growing towards that plan, right? Are they executing on their five-year plan two years into it, right? Or do they miss every quarter and they have disappointing numbers, but for whatever reason, they continue to see some, you know, some growth there and you just hang on, hoping that they'll eventually start to execute. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what it comes, especially with companies like that, right? I mean, not a non-tech example that was pretty, you know, I, I like to, reference and I've done several times during uh, other podcast episodes, but it's Chipotle, right? I mean, if, if you look at Chipotle, they had, I mean, the death touch, I mean, they were literally, they're let us kill people. The doo-doo let us kill people. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally national, national doo-doo let us deaths skyrocketing. National doo-doo let us death skyrocketing because of Chipotle. And their stock is like 400% higher it is today than it was during that time because they've got a, a great product They've got a great executing, a great team, a great leadership team at the top. That they, I mean, they've got a very consistent brand, and they execute on their rollouts. And I mean, again, they're they're a very well-run organization. So even though the company got smoked because they obviously cut some corners and missed some things, and unfortunately some people were hurt, um, you know, they were able to rebound and make some necessary changes. I mean, Chipotle's again, they're, they're a a very good story. Uh, well, from an individual yeah, stock standpoint. I would second that. If you look at the window from 2016 to 2020, you would think this company is struggling. And then fast forward to today, and it's you know a blip in the radar in the past. And so there are struggles. That's how business works. Everybody yep. that runs a business or owns a business kind of has a feel for that. There's going to be times where you don't grow. You go sideways for a period of time. Maybe you go down. And then afterwards... There's kind of that growth provided the businesses executing on all fronts, but um, so if you if you would have bought during just a, if you would have bought you'd be up yeah four hundred and that's just and that's from them coming down, but if you would have bought during not even the very bottom during that whole doo doo lettuce debacle, um, you'd be up four hundred thirty percent, just kind of like in the, it, it just randomly picking an average date during the middle of that bottoming event, um, you know it's yeah it, it was and if you'd have sold out sooner than that they were up as high as what, 620 percent yeah you know i uh when the doo-doo lettuce story came out and <laughs> everyone was everyone was freaking out i i ended up for the personal account going in there and picking up some chipotle i followed bill ackman into that trade in the 200s and yep. i sold it like a thousand i'm like hell yeah and then it ran yeah. 1900 mm-hmm and that's that's how this game works. But at the same time, I also thought TripAdvisor was a good investment, and that thing's better than fire. <laughs> you said, yeah, just it was like you know me leaving my reviews after staying at a hotel. 
<laughs> Pillows well, were soft. The, <laughs> the buffet was delicious. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go buy some stock shares in this, this stupid forum. Yeah, that turned out to be a dud. Yep. It, um, it didn't execute the way we, uh, that some hoped. Yep. Anyways. Um, what else you got? What else you got? I think that's all I got. Unless you got any final conspiracy theories you want to throw out to the crowd? Mm-mm, not today. There's not today. The uh, the conspiracy theories are uh, except for we need to stop sending as much money. To that's something we do when we report that. on a Monday. <laughs> hey, uh, conspiracy theories are stuff save save for Monday. All right, Jack, come on. Yeah, you don't want to go into your weekend with your tinfoil hat on. You save that for the work week. But I will say it does look like the dollar, right? So everything that was driving the market is you know right, is based on what the interest rate and inflation expectations are. Uh, they were expected to continue to rise, so they did last year, right? So expectations on rates went up, rates rates flew, inflation flew, stocks got crushed, short-term things did well. The beginning of this year was expectations of slowing down in terms of inflation and then eventually softening the uh, the rate increases, right? And then stopping them and eventually probably start to reduce or cut rates. And that may have been a little bit overblown because now, again, those inflation numbers are coming back out. It looks like rates will remain elevated for a period of time. And again, that has done a little bit of a, of a number on the dollar, right? So now the dollar's looked at as in a stronger light again. And that has reversed some of the recent gains in crypto and tech, right? Because Bitcoin was topping out somewhere around the 25K range. It's now fallen back to a little over 23. So a good bit of uh, performance given up right there. Uh, Gold's given up a little bit. Oil looks like it's given up a little bit. Uh, You know, again, a lot of the risk assets have taken a bit of a step back here. It looks like this is going to be a little bit of a longer, longer journey than we hoped. But um, it does still seem that we're closer to the end than the beginning. So just uh, keep your powder dry and and, uh, stay focused. Sounds good. All right, everyone. Adios. Cheers. Adios. Cheers. Everybody have a good week. Jack and Sean work for Senge Advisory Group, a registered investment advisory firm. All discussions between Jack and Sean or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Senge Advisory Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Senge Advisory Group may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.